So we've been looking at this idea of just our love relationship to Jesus, you know, and how a passionate marriage and passionate singleness can reflect that love relationship that God has with us. And it's part of a bigger picture, really, for us as a congregation, which that bigger picture is our discipleship. And we've been spending time since October really talking about growing deep and really getting roots down into our our relationship with Jesus. And it's been really kind of neatly illustrated uh, during each segment of this, uh, this time through... Uh, our, our own Hannah Wilson has put together these graphics each time. And, and uh, so you've seen different ones. Yeah, that's right. Um, so last, last time when we were talking about healthy community uh, and we looked at the roots, it was aspen trees. And it looked at the network of how aspen trees, the roots kind of connect together and, and it grows up and it's not individual separate trees. And then in this image, you can see kind of this idea of growing deep with passionate marriage and singleness. You have you know, roots that are together, some of them are singles, some of them are, are and branches that are kind of woven around each other in pairs, but they, they all make up that, that tree, right? And that's part of this image of the church that we want to see. Sometimes we can elevate marriage as the, the preferred status within the church. And, and actually, early in the church, the, the first 1,500 years of the church, it was singleness that was elevated to a certain point within the church. And so we can get this spot where marriage, you know, we really support marriage and we encourage people in their marriages in the church, but we don't do as much support and encouragement for singles. Or depending on the church body and, and the way that they express themselves, it might be the other way around. And what we're saying is this is part of a, a larger picture of our, our overall discipleship. And uh, last week I started out this, this idea and, and I told you my own limitation. And I want to restate that again. Just my limitation is that, for one, it's a time limitation. Um, I, I can't possibly address each individual area within the time span that we have on one given morning. And so it's a time limitation. It's also a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, just that there's so many diverse types of relationships. So it's a limitation in my knowing every specific instance of how a relationship is playing out. Hopefully that, that makes sense as well. So there's singles that have this situation, there's marrieds in this situation. And what can happen is, when somebody's on a platform and a microphone, if they don't address your specific situation, it can feel like, well, how does that apply to me, right? So that's part of my limitation is that there are ways that I can't speak to your unique situation. But here's the wonderful thing. Here's the thing that I love every time we're together is that the Holy Spirit can and the Holy Spirit does. And that's why we talk about the Holy Spirit being our teacher, and, and it's up to each one of us to really lean in and press in and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us so that he can address us individually from, from whatever is, is spoken, whatever is communicated out of the scriptures. If we don't do that, and, and hear me in this, because this is true every time we're together, every time you go to a, a service of some kind, every time somebody is speaking the word to a group, is that it, what can happen is one of a couple things, we can hear something and it becomes condemnation to us because we didn't match the standard which Scripture outlines. So somebody can present something in the Scriptures and we can just feel, man, I've blown it. 
What, what I'm hearing out of God's word says that I don't measure up. And so I've, I've blown it. And so uh, why should I even try? I mean, this, this is an area where God's just not going to bless me or my life's not going to experience fruit because I missed it or, or I am missing it. My marriage doesn't look like this or I'm not living a single life that looks like this. And so, you know, we, we can just feel that condemnation. That's one side of it. The other side that we can land on is we can justify our actions and we can excuse ourselves and say, well, that's just an old book. Those are things that don't apply to me now. It hasn't kept up with modern time. It doesn't know my circumstance. And so I'm excluded or I'm able to uh, give myself permission to not have to really listen to any of that or obey any of that. And so I can, can justify myself and say, this doesn't apply to me. Neither of those is a healthy approach to when we listen to Scripture in a public way. The healthy approach we want to take is to lean into the Holy Spirit. And I do mean that. Just incline ourselves. what Scripture talks about. Incline, even if it's not a physical posture, but in our spirit, we lean towards the Holy Spirit. And we say, Lord, you have something for me here. Teach me this morning. Help me to hear how to apply these values, the Scripture values and principles into my life because I know you have something for me in that way. Okay, um, so last week was about uh, passionate marriage and how that reflects God's love for us. And, and so the two main ideas I talked about last week were how to be a strong gospel witness in marriage. It starts with the limitation that in mar- a married man and a married woman has the limitation of that my, my witness for God's passionate love is when I give myself exclusively to my spouse in the way that Jesus gives himself to me. So there is an exclusivity in that relationship, in a marriage relationship, that is also a limitation. That means that I'm not going to give myself to others in the same way that I give myself to my spouse. My spouse gets, my husband or my wife gets a place that is above other relationships. And in that way, they demonstrate this passionate, exclusive relationship that Christ has for his bride. That an intimate, close relationship that is reflected in Jesus' love for his people. So if a couple doesn't have that sense of exclusivity, something is lost in terms of the picture that Scripture outlines that it's supposed to be this intimate relationship between Christ and his church is seen in a, in a man and, and woman in marriage. That's lost if the husband creates all relationships as equal and his wife just gets whatever she gets out of that, or vice versa. The wife has a lot of friends, and if she's got time and, and attention to give to her husband, she does. But if she doesn't, that's fine. No, that, that fails to give that clear picture. And so there's a limitation there that in order to express that gospel witness, I have an exclusivity in that relationship. So the, the passionate, here was the other highlight, was the main point, was the passionate Christian marriage testifies about God's love because the husband and wife know one another in a way that nobody else does. And, and this is the same type of love that we've received from Jesus. And we just said, Jesus loves you in a way that nobody else does. Even if you're married, your spouse doesn't know you the way Jesus knows you. That there's such a, a closeness and personal way that God speaks to you, that he comforts you, and, and he can be so close to you, even when you may feel a distant uh, distance in your, in your marriage. Jesus is, is still there. And, and so that 
passionate marriage, though, testifies to that type of intimacy, this exclusivity and this intimacy that is between a husband and wife. And that's when it's at its strongest. That's when there's this gospel witness is when a marriage reflects that relationship. Then it serves a higher purpose, right? Then it's not just about a guy and a girl who want to spend time together. They have common interests, common likes, and they're going to just kind of go through life, which is nice and that's comforting for them, but it doesn't really serve a purpose other than their own purposes. It really means something. It has a greater context when we say, well, this is an image of God's love for people. This, is, this marriage is now an image of Christ and his intimacy with his, his church. And so that's a, a, much bigger, uh, a much bigger picture. They share in the dreams, the fears, the hopes, and they're transparent about their brokenness. They confide in one another in ways that they don't with other people. Boy, that's so important. That's oftentimes where marriages get in trouble. His confidence is shared outside of the marriage that really should have been shared within the marriage. My spouse doesn't understand me, but this person understands me. I'll confide in them. No, (laughs) You, you work at that. You develop that type of relationship. So again, this isn't condemnation. This isn't intended to say if you don't have that in your marriage that you've missed it. It's an invitation. Holy Spirit, Help me understand how in my relationship with my wife or with my husband that we can work towards that, that we can grow towards that, and and that can be a true reflection of of your life within us and your love within us. So today we're going to take some time to to look at how singleness is a gospel witness. And similar to last week, let me say, uh, I I encouraged singles last week, said even though you're not married, don't tune out, listen, because there's something that Jesus has to speak to you Uh, And so likewise, this morning, if you're married, don't tune out. This isn't a singles-only message. This applies to the church, the body of Christ. And we have something to give to one another. It is a gift that we bring uh, to one another in the body. So let's let's pray as we uh, look at a couple passages this morning. Lord, we thank you that we, we are not coming up with this love and this expression of love on our own, that you actually give us a an example. And you give us instruction and you empower us then to live this type of love with one another. And so, Father, I pray that even with my own uh, limitations, that you will go beyond me, go before and work in ways that, um, God, that only you can do. And so we thank you for your word. We bless your word and we know that it has relevance to us this morning. So help us to look for it, to lean into it and receive it in Jesus name. Amen. So these first two passages that talk about singleness, the first is Jesus is speaking about singleness in terms of those who are born, made, or committed to singleness. And then the other passage is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So first, Matthew 19. Uh, If you have a Bible, Bible app that you want to uh, get out, Matthew 19. Uh, We looked at this early on a couple weeks ago. I want to revisit it. And then after that, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 7. In this first one, it's Jesus speaking, and he has just spoken uh, about divorce and said that's not God's desire, that's not his pattern. Uh, He permitted it. God allowed Moses to give you a pathway out of a marriage because he said your hearts were hard, you're not able to, to work it out with one another. But he said that's not God's desire for you. His desire, the reflection of his own heart, is this committed, lifelong, intimate relationship. And that's the, the picture that he wants to give us. But, so, so Jesus 
tells the disciples this, and I love their response. It's very honest. They say, well, if God's desire is that we never divorce and, and that we work it out, it's probably better if we just don't marry then. <laughs> I mean, they're just being honest. Like, this is tough. It's hard being married. And if you're talking about there's really a lifelong commitment, isn't it better that we just stay single? And in response to that statement, um, you know, they're, they're kind of just saying, you know, in response to marriage, but Jesus approaches it differently. He talks about a single person. Actually, there's different reasons that somebody might be single. So Matthew 19 verses 11 and 12, it says, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs, and again, contextually, eunuch was somebody who was committed to service, oftentimes in royal service, and they were castrated. And that was basically their commitment to be in that place, to serve in that way. And they were devoted exclusively to that service. So he's using the word eunuch in terms of a single devotion, somebody who is not going to have a relationship or a marriage relationship. There are eunuchs who were born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, Uh, The one who can accept this should accept it. So interesting. I mean, Jesus outlines ways that people are single. He's in their culture. He's saying some are born with this place. Others are made this way by men as part of their devotion. And he said, and and then others, he says, who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven which is really a bit of a a revolutionary thought with Jesus at his time that somebody would choose to remain single for the devotion of God. It was kind of a a, a unique uh, position. 1 Corinthians 7, 6, and 9, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And the Apostle Paul was single. And he begins in verse 6 by saying this in uh, chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. Let me say parenthetically, single. That's what he's referring to. I wish all were as I uh, I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. (laughs) Wisdom. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for that wisdom. Paul's, Paul's you know, idea, the, the thought that he gives here is he's, he says, I wish uh, they were as I myself am single, but each has his own gift from God. So let me begin by making one of the most important distinctions in both of these passages. And uh, that is that Jesus says in his, there are those who choose to live like eunuchs. You need to underline or, or just underscore, keep that mental note, choose to live like eunuchs, right? It's a choice. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says this, I wish all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another, to the unmarried and the widows. I say it's good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. And he goes on from there. So again, Paul puts it in the context of choice. It's a choice. Jesus says some choose to live in singleness and devotion. Paul says, if you can, 
He says, I prefer it. It's a preference. Notice there's that distinction as well. In fact, he clearly says, not a command. Paul makes sure that it's clear. This is not a command. I'm not speaking as doctrine of a command of God that you need to remain single. He's saying, he's saying it's, it's a, my preference would be that you would, if you are single, remain single if you're able. But if you're not able, then, then, you, should, then you should marry. So there's, there's really two types of singleness that I want to, to highlight. And I think this kind of helps because I've used this word early on in, in the series. I talked about marriage as part of our calling, and I talked about singleness as part of a calling. And the word calling sometimes hangs us up because when we think of calling, sometimes we put it in the context of forever. <laughs> that's who I am. That's what I do. It's forever. And the truth is, is that none of us have been married forever. We were single, and then we were married. So for a season of our life, if we're married, we were single. And we were living out God's purposes as a single until we were married. And then our calling to Christ and our service to Him was lived out now, if you're married, through your marriage. So that marriage is part of your calling. So when I say that singleness is a calling, I'm not saying it's a lifelong determination of God has called you to be single, therefore you'll forever be single. It's simply saying that if you're single now, it's through that role that you are serving Christ and that it is part of that calling to serve him. You can't separate it from your life. You can't say, well, I'm serving Christ, but I don't want to consider it that I'm, I'm single while I'm serving him. No, it's just as a married person has to consider that they're married as they're serving Christ. So it's not a lifelong definition. It is a type or part of your overall calling to love and to serve Jesus. So within that context, let me make this distinction between two types of singles that are brought to the surface here in in these two passages. First is singles who desire marriage but are living passionately for Christ as a single for now. So these are singles who desire marriage but living passionately for Christ as a single for now, meaning there's no vows that have been made. There's no sense of this is what I want to do or I've chosen to do. This is simply this is where I'm at right now in my life. I would like to be married. I'm not excluding it. I'm not setting it aside or I haven't given up on it. I'm just, this is where I'm at. So instead of saying, I really can't fulfill God's purpose for my life until I'm married, they're saying, no, I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to serve him. And it's out of my single life right now that I'm going to live this life for Jesus. And my hope is I I want to be married someday, but I'm not going to put my life on the shelf and my service for God on a shelf until I'm married. I'm going to live passionately for him as I am right now. So they're living out this life callingness with single as a part of that until it changes. They're expressing the call of God to be the man of God, to be the woman of God uh, that they're called to be and not waiting for it to come before passionately living for Jesus. Now, the way that singleness comes again. Every individual, every story is a little bit different. They may be single and have never married. They may be divorced, and so now they're single because of the divorce. They may be widowed, uh, but, but they're open to being married. All of these situations, different, different situations, but the idea is the same. There's no, there's no vow of devotion, vow of celibacy in the sense of, I don't want to marry. It's, I'm single, 
but I'm open to and would like to be married at some point. The second category of singles would be those who have made a commitment to remain single for the purpose of giving their time and attention fully to the purposes of God in their life. So we might say this is a devout or uh, a a committed single in that regard. And, And Jesus identifies this as one category of single. There's this individual who has said, you know, I am... Uh, living as a eunuch, as though I'm never going to get married for the purposes of the kingdom. Paul says, I, I wish others would take on the approach that I have. Paul says, I, you know, he likes being single. He likes serving Christ the way he does and the attention that he can give to the, the ministry. And he says, if you can do it, I think you should do it. That's Paul's preference, but it's not a command. And so this is that second category of those who are devoting their life as a single to the purposes of God. We're most familiar with it uh, if we think about the Catholic Church, vows of celibacy that maybe a priest takes or, uh, you know, we, we most commonly see that. But it's not exclusive to Catholic. Uh, there's people in Protestant churches, evangelical churches, who in their life, they've come to a point and in their service to Jesus, they said, you know, I'm actually, it's, it's challenging. There's times where I'm lonely. There's times where, times where I have this tension. And it might be nice to be married. It might be nice to have that companionship. But I don't sense in myself this need to get married. I actually feel like I have this gifting. And that's what Paul identifies it. To some, this gift is imparted to live as a single. And to be very satisfied and contented in their relationship with Christ. Very fulfilled and the things that are accomplished in their life and the way that they fulfill their, their calling. They are men and women who are so engaged in what God is doing and that they've made this commitment, not as a response to avoiding being married, but because they really sense a commitment of a lifetime to serve Christ through the single lifestyle. Do you know that's an important distinction? Because sometimes in our current church culture, and just, I think, culture in general, when you get to a certain age, you should be married. <laughs> There's this pressure, this assumption that that denotes a healthy adult is that they've worked their way up to a marriage relationship. That, that's not identified in Scripture. In fact, quite the opposite. Healthy, a, a mature Christianity really doesn't have to do with a, your marriage status of am I married or am I single. It has to do with your walk with Jesus. And in fact, Paul identifies if you're able, if you have this gift and not fall into temptation, then actually a healthy, passionate, married, or single life, uh, Paul says, it's a preferred life. (laughs) Now, I don't want to argue with Paul one way or the other, and that's not really the focus. Paul wasn't trying to put down marriage, nor was he uh, trying to make a case that you, you really should. You're more spiritual if you're single. He's simply identifying that within the church, how we deal with the issue of married or singleness and and how we uh, kind of make that decision of where we lie. So some people will say, I really do want to be married, but I'm not right now. So I'm living out my single life in relationship to the status of what I am now. Others who really do sense this gifting and it would be a, a calling that, you know what, I actually am enjoying and I feel empowered to live as a single passionately for God. And I'm enjoying living out that calling. And there's at some point that ambiguity for that individual that they sense that this is God's plan for me. And this is his gifting for my life. And I'm going to commit to that fully. 
not because I'm against marriage, but because I'm for God's call on my life. Do you see the distinction there? Sometimes we say it's against something or because it hasn't happened, I've chosen to be, you know, upset that it didn't happen, but I'm just going to resolve myself that I guess I have to do that. No, no, no. This individual is saying, I, I am gifted for this. God has blessed me with the ability to live as a single and I'm going to live it out passionately for him. So let me follow this up by saying similar to married people, singles have limitations as well. And the ability to live out this passionate life for Jesus has the limitation. Let me highlight probably one of the main limitations that, that I see in this. And again, uh, as a married man who's been married for almost 30 years now, you know, my lens is going to be different than somebody else's lens. But this is one of the things that, that I see is that in singleness, my limitation that I'm a witness for God's passionate love when I give myself to pursue non-exclusive relationship the way that Jesus does. This is just kind of in contrast to a married couple that they're best displaying the gospel message through their marriage when they are living in exclusive relationship with one another. That doesn't mean that they don't have other relationships. It means that they have their marriage relationship is an exclusive and unique relationship. So uh, if I'm an, a single, I'm best demonstrating the gospel through my singleness by not through my exclusive relationships, but by having non-exclusive relationships, a healthy uh, community of relationships that I'm networking with. I'm not commuting the, the intimate, close nature of God's love, but I'm communicating the breadth and the, and the way that God's love reaches to different people, just the way that Jesus demonstrates it to us. My greatest gospel witness is when I'm investing as a single. I'm investing in relationships that fill my life and shape me by having multiple meaning relationships, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors. And in those relationships, they speak into my life and I share the love of God. So when I can miss this opportunity, here's some pitfalls that singles can experience. Is One would be isolation. I get isolated from others and I don't invest the time it takes to develop rich relationships with others. Can I, can I dispel a little bit of a, a misnomer? <laughs> we often think that married couples have to spend more time working on relationships than singles do. It's not true. It's not true. Here's, here's why. is because when I come home at night, my wife is there. I have built-in opportunity to connect with her. When we share the same space, so much of our life shares that same space. Single individuals have to be very intentional about their relationships. They have to be very intentional about scheduling time with people, reaching out, going out of their own bubble, and, and making sure that they get time to be around people. I don't, I don't do that a lot. Because when I get home, a lot of my relationship is built in with, with my wife. And so I, don't have to, I have to work on that relationship. Don't get me wrong. I have to work on that relationship. I'm called to work in my marriage relationship and, and work at intimacy within that relationship. Again, that's the image, right, with Christ, that intimacy. I have to work on that. But I don't spend nearly as much time as a single person does in my community of relationships because I have built-in relationship. I do work at it, but I, again, I turn back to my primary relationship, which is my spouse. For a single you have to work much harder 
to have these relationships, invest more time and give of themselves and uh, to, to be able to, to connect with people. Otherwise, what can happen is this isolation that I talked about. They're, they become withdrawn, and, it's, and uh, if they don't work on it, they, they can become very lonely and isolated and miss the opportunity to be a gospel witness. See, they, they have a gift to bring to all of these relationships, but if they don't work on it, they can be withdrawn, and then the gift that they have to bring isn't expressed. It, it doesn't get shared out. And so it's, it's, it's really a challenge for the single individual to build this community of relationships that they have with family and friends and their church. And, and so if, if they don't, they can, they can easily get isolated. The other thing is, and, and this is really common in our culture today, is uh, as singles can fall into false intimacy. So it's engaging in intimate relationships that aren't meant to be intimate in that way. Uh, giving themselves physically and emotionally in ways that are really reserved more for a marriage relationship. And, and especially when we talk about physicality, uh, getting too quickly intimate that is exclusive in nature without there being that actual marriage relationship. So a, a single can damage their other relationships by continually getting into more exclusive types of relationships at the cost of their family, their friends, and the other relationships through which they communicate that love of Christ to varied people. And so the challenge is to move in their relationships at a pace that matches the depth of which they're connecting with an individual. Because the question would be, well, how does a single then ever build intimacy? How do they actually work their way towards a marriage relationship? Well, what I'm speaking about false intimacy is you have people who, because that longing to be married drives them into deep relationships too quickly and give too much of themselves and share too much of themselves and be at the exclusion of the other relationships. So they're continually moving in and out of these types of relationships that, that is a false intimacy. It really doesn't reflect the type of love that God demonstrates through a marriage, but it's an attempt to, if that makes sense. It's, the reason it doesn't work is because it's not really safe. In fact, it doesn't feel safe. When you start being intimate with multiple people emotionally and physically, it starts feeling unsafe. <laughs> Whereas in a marriage relationship, it feels safe because there's the vows that have been made of a covenant relationship. And so that's one of the dangers in, uh, in, and cautions that a single person has to live under is stepping into false intimacy. I want to be intimate. I want to have this type of relationship without recognizing that's a boundary. That's a limitation. And it's difficult. Just as it is difficult sometimes for married couples to live within their boundaries of exclusivity. So for singles, it's difficult to live within their boundaries of not getting too far into intimacy in their different relationships. So what does passionate Christian single life look like? Well, let me tell you in five words. No. <laughs> sometimes, do you know, I, sometimes I feel that way. I stand up here and I have a microphone and it's like, I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit's work that he has so much to speak to each of us. I have a few words, but God has so much to say on this. And so I encourage you as, as we get into it a little bit that uh, if God's prompting your heart, go deeper in this. Uh, we can point you in some direction of some really good resources uh, you probably have good friends. If you don't, we can put you in a network of community here that will help you go deeper in this and understand God's purpose on your life.
So let me share one thing with you. One thing that I think signifies what a passionate Christian single life looks like. Passionate Christian singleness testifies about God's love because the individual has multiple rich relationships that are marked by his or her expression of God's love in personal ways. So what, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? I mean, look at the life of Jesus. We all look at the life of Jesus. I mean, that's part of our devotion. But as a single, you have the most clear, as a married person, I, there's all kinds of broken marriages in Scripture. Like, it's sometimes hard-pressed. You're hard-pressed to find a really good, you know, passionate marriage in Scripture and say, oh, I want to model my life. Do you know as a single, you have the best image of what a passionate single life looks like in Jesus Christ? Our Savior was the, the most balanced, whole person living for the Father. Uh, just in his relationships, you look at the life of Jesus He has three really close friends with whom he just shares his whole life with. Three really close close friends. In fact, I love the imagery of of John, it says, reclining on the chest of Jesus. Just that embrace, that closeness. So when we talk about, well, single people don't really have intimate relationships. No, they absolutely have intimate relationships. They're just not intended to be the type of intimate relationship that reflects marriage. And so that's reserved for that marriage relationship. But Jesus had intimate relationships, especially with the three that were really close to him and just shared his life with, included them in everything, his griefs, his sorrows, and they, they ate together regularly. And, and just the type of relationship that even many married couples don't experience. Jesus had that with these three friends, these three close friends. He had seven that he connected with regularly. So we see in scripture, there was kind of seven that were a little bit closer than the whole 12. So seven that were kind of his, you know, his, his, his small group, I guess, in a sense, the ones that he really hung out with and, and talked more with, engaged with. The 12, of course, were the disciples. They were part of his group. They were just part of the ones that he traveled with and wasn't necessarily as close to all of them equally. The three really close, the seven you know, not quite as close. And then the 12 that he traveled with and just spent a lot of time hung out with, maybe is the term we would use today, you know, did life with, and uh, they, they kind of shared in that, in that with him. What a great picture, right, of a good balance of a healthy Christian singleness, diff- different levels of closeness. The Apostle Paul, similar, it's a little bit harder to see in Paul's life, but he had one or two traveling companions all the time because Paul moved around a lot, <laughs> Paul loved the ministry and what he was doing. So he had one or two that he traveled with just on a regular basis. And maybe one was busy or not able to go. So he'd have another who was traveling with him. He'd bring him along from a church, an invitation uh, from somebody within the church. And then he would tr- make another one of his missionary journeys. So he had those, those one or two that he traveled with. A handful of coworkers in the gospel. So there's kind of a, a group that he connected with that they ministered and did missionary trips and Timothy, his young son in the faith and, and uh, Barnabas, you know, was another one that, 
he kind of connected with. So he's got another small group also that he, he connected with. And then the churches that he went to. He always speaks in his letters. You can, you can tell that Paul has a lot of rich relationships. He goes into the churches and he's talking about the people. Hey, thank this person. They came and spent some time with me. And while you're at it, commend this person for the work that they did uh, in, uh, in serving the church over here. You read through Paul's letters, and it's just throughout. At the end of each letter, he just lists all the different people that he was connected to and the church in each church and the leaders there. So you see a, a man who is a single man serving Christ, a devout. He's, he's completely committed to his singleness and serving Jesus, but just rich relationships. Everywhere he goes, he's connecting in the church. He's traveling with a couple other guys. He's, he's got men and women who he serves, uh, married couples and singles that he, that he serves with. So I, I hope that you know, helps kind of give a more full picture of what a healthy, vibrant, single life looks like. It's not just waiting for God to come around and bring around the right person. It's the hope, if you want to be married, that the hope that that will happen. But while I'm hoping and, and while I'm looking forward to that, I'm engaged in what God has for me. Or it is recognizing, you know what? I see within myself a gift to remain single and to live committed to Christ and, and the kingdom and do that work. And you just have this sense when I say that, you just think, well, people have always told me, you know, when am I going to get married? When am I going to And it's never really struck me that way. I've never felt like, well, I just really want to get married. It's just, I've just been in this place where, you know what? I want to serve God in my single life. I just want to affirm that is a gift that God has imparted to you. And, and that's to be celebrated. That's to, that's to be uh, excited about. A, a couple questions that, that maybe we have around this area. What about introverts? <laughs> Andy, you talk about rich relationships and connecting with different people. What about, so I'm not talking about introverting or extroverting. I, I'm really just talking about building that kind of network of relationships. You don't have to be an extrovert to have rich relationships. You don't have to be the life of the party everywhere you go. In, in fact, you, you know, that, that's a whole separate issue from building relationship and connecting with people. You know, was Paul an introvert or ex, maybe an extrovert? I don't, I don't know. Jesus, was he introvert or extrovert? Maybe both, probably. <laughs> he was around people all the time, but then he withdrew to be alone. And so, again, it's not about that, but it's about, here's, hear this word, if you're, if you're a single, intentionality. It's not about introversion or extrovert. It's intentionality. Are you intentional about making relationship and connecting? That's what's important. So what about marriage? Should I pursue it or not pursue it? Should I, you know, be praying about it? Um, if, I, if I want to be married, is it, is it wrong to just continue to have that on my mind and pray about it? Absolutely not wrong. <laughs> if that's in your heart, it says we should pray about everything. We should bring it before the Lord. The difference is, Am I praying about it or am I consumed by it, <laughs> right? Am I just completely unhappy all the time because it hasn't happened for me? Or do I trust God in the way of just saying, Lord, I trust you. It's difficult, but I'm praying through it. And when it stresses me and when I wonder if I'm ever going to get married, Lord, I'm going to make sure, make this commitment to pray about it and not just worry about it. I'm going to make this commitment to bring it before you on a regular basis so that you can uh, work me through that process. So you can help me to trust you uh, with that concern that I have. So the, the, the intention is that we wouldn't fall into, as a single, you wouldn't fall into false intimacy, but gradual intimacy as God opens the door for, for that to be a possibility. 
And then let me give one more word um, just to those of us in the room who are married and uh, regarding your single friendships. Please, please, married people, don't casually move your calendar around uh, and cancel appointments or flake out or I don't flake out isn't the right word, but treat your casual friendships uh, or your friendships with single people casually because, you know, what I just said is I've encouraged them to be intentional about it. So if they invite you to coffee and, and uh, you, you say yes to that uh, last minute, do you know that just canceling on that that was one of their connection points, one of their points to make sure that they're outside of just their own small bubble, but to have this rich wealth of relationships. And so if you're married, oftentimes married people can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of busy, don't, don't have time, you know, or, or that's, that's an area I can cut that. And please, if you have relationships with single individuals, make sure that you make that a priority. I'm not asking you to elevate it above your marriage, but I am saying make sure that you make that a priority. That if they're reaching out to you and they, they want to connect with you, that, that should be a priority on your calendar because they are working at their network of relationships that keeps them healthy and, and keeps them in this relationship where they're pursuing Christ. And you're part of that. Uh, they're not just wanting to connect with single individuals, although that's part of their network. They're connecting with married individuals too and, and you know, being able to talk and, and have relationship that way. So it's just a word of encouragement to those of us who are married of, of don't view those relationships and those appointments that we make in a casual way because if you have single friends, they're doing their best to be intentional about it and, and making sure they're, they're building a relationship that way.